Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rimble, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. I want you to to turn to 1 Samuel, the 10th chapter, and you want to remember that the first time that any of us ever touches the miraculous is when we become born again. Again, the name of this is learning to live in the miraculous. 
And, and I believe, I believe that looking back, and I started listing, and I didn't, I didn't get it all listed, but I started listing all the things that I've had happen that I can just recall from the outset of my ministry that absolutely worked into the miraculous. And, and, and I remember one time when I was young in the ministry, and, and I was supposed to go minister, and, and the weather had gotten below zero, and I our water had frozen up at the house. And I, I remember that I needed to take, a, a, you know, I want to take a shower. I want to get cleaned up. I want to go smelling well, if nothing else, you know. It may, may, maybe the message wouldn't be good, but anyway. Um, so I, so I, I, I paced back and forth, and I paced back and forth, and I thought, well, what am I going to do if water's frozen up? I mean, and it wasn't going to warm up enough for it to thaw out. And I, and I, I just, I was kind of beside myself, and I was marching back and forth, and marching back and forth. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord said, lay your hand when the water faucet and pray. I was in a kitchen, and that's got the you know got the kind of the long neck one. And so anyway, I I I stopped and I looked at that water faucet and I thought, well, that's what God told me to do. That's what I'm going to do. So I took a hold of that water faucet and I began to pray. As I began to pray, I felt the anointing run, like I had at that time experienced the anointing running, and uh, from time to time, anyway, and as I do all the time now. And anyway, the anointing ran. I felt it run out of me. And, and I, all of a sudden, the Lord said, turn on the faucet, turn on the faucet, and the water ran. And I jumped back and looked at that faucet, and I, was going, well, I went, wow. I thought, now, now wasn't that something? And then I thought about hiring out on weekends, you know, when people's water froze, froze up, going around laying hands on cold water pipes that, or hot water pipes, whatever, that were frozen. But I, I, I remember, and I go back, and, and, and the thing that Stephen uh, says to me, you know, he said, it's almost like a dream. He said, it's almost, he said, you know what happened, but it's almost like you were in a dream and it didn't happen. And, and that's the way that was. It was almost like it happened. It didn't happen, but yet I knew it happened because the water ran. I immediately went in, I took a shower, got my, my, my suit and tie on, and drove to the place where it was I was to minister that night. If you found First Samuel 10, now this is so interesting in the 6th and 7th verse, because you know, Samuel, uh, as a, a major prophet of God that, that he was, uh, he was trying to bring forth this man Saul. It wasn't anything that he wanted to do because he just was not interested at all in, in Israel having a king. And it made him mad. And then God finally said, let him have a king. It's not going to work, but let him have a king. So in the sixth verse, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. Now, you know, he sent, he sent him up and told him the things that he was to do and what he, how he was to get it done. And he was going to run in to bless God some, some people, and they were going to play the pipe and the harp, and they was going to do this and that and everything else, the palsy. And, and anyway, he said, he said, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. Now, this is what, this is what Samuel was telling Saul. And he said, And thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. Now, the key to that is to understand the turning into another man. Now, this, this is really important to get a hold of in this teaching because of the fact that your flesh man will never, ever receive miracles. Your flesh man will never, ever receive putting your hands on a frozen water pipe uh, and a faucet and the water thaw out throughout the whole house system immediately and water come flowing through it. Your, your, your mind won't handle that. Your, your carnal man won't handle that. It is walking into a place of understanding what, what Saul was telling, I mean, what uh, Samuel was telling Saul that was going to happen to him. He said, you will be, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you'll become another man. The other man that Saul beca became was that spiritual man of which we all are. And from that point in time, and he said, he says, you're going to prophesy. And he said, and let it be when these signs are coming to thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee for the Lord, for the God for God, I'm sorry, is with thee. So he's saying, when the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, when the anointing of God comes upon you, you'll become another man. You will, you will be somebody. You'll be somebody that you don't know. 
Now, uh, Donna could tell you very, very well uh, the fact that uh, I become a different person. The anointing comes upon me, and I become a different person. Uh, I, I was trying to explain to those fine folks out there, as Donna and, and Stephen was trying to get me in the car, that I don't need to stay after the services when I'm trying to come off the anointing because I've, it's hard even sometimes when I sit like in there is because I've... <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm trying to be back to be in flesh and blood, and I'm not flesh and blood as I was. I still the spirit of the Lord was upon me, and I have become that other man. Now, who have I become? I become Godlike. You become Godlike. We become quiet because we were made in the in the image of God, and that's what's important to be able to understand about trying to learn to to live in the miraculous. Is that we have that capabilities? You and I were given that capabilities from the foundation of the world, and especially when the Lord God said that He would put His Spirit in man, He would breathe into him life, breathe His Spirit in, made a spirit, soul, and body is what He made us. So the fact of it is, how do we walk over into that? Of the world. Now, I think it's important to realize that the spirit that's in the inside of us one day will leave this body and will once again become, and I'm going to use this word and don't get too hung up on it, but it wants to again become angelic-like, all right, as the angelic forces, as the angels are. The problem that we have now, we have a supernatural spirit capable, now listen closely, capable of raising the dead, walking upon the water without going down, smiting the water that it open up and you walk on dry land, being able to call an iron axe up off the bottom of a river, okay, capable, bless God, of turning storms, causing storms to come, and it goes on and on and on. That's the supernatural man that we are. The Spirit of the Lord, once the Spirit of God comes upon us, and activates, and that's really what the anointing does. The anointing actually activates in us where we can become God-like, all right? We can become God-like. We can begin to operate over into that realm, the realm of which He is. And once we begin to operate over in that realm, then we often stand back and look at it. Now, now, you know, people have said to me for years and years, Brother Deckard, why can't I operate over into that realm? I'm going to tell you something. I think we all can. I, I, I just don't believe that this thing was ever meant by God for a few people to do. I think a few people like me do this kind of a thing, but I think now is the time that God is going to begin to permit people like me to teach in the depths in this thing, and we're going to have to go further than now faith is, all right? We're going to have to do what Paul talked about, leaving the, leaving the doctrines of, of milk and moving on to the deeper things of God. We're going to have to move into those areas, and we're going to have to realize that God created us to work His works. He created us to. Why? Because He's not here. He's not here in the flesh. He came in the flesh. He's not here in the flesh. He's going to come back in the flesh. And when he was here, what did he do? He demonstrated all this. But let me tell you something. If you study, and that's what we're doing here, if you begin to study these old prophets, you're going to begin to realize that at given points in time, they were able to enter in and do what? Act like God acts. Okay? Isn't that, isn't that really what we're saying here? And he said, now listen to what he said. That thou do, the middle of that seventh verse, that thou do on occasions, as occasions serve thee. For God is with you. You know what that means? That just simply means whatever you take a hankering to do, just do it. When the anointing of God is upon you, it will work out and it will happen and it will take place. Now that is scary in itself. Now... We have to talk for just a moment about trust and how it is that God God has to come to a place where He can trust you. Why? Because if He doesn't bring you to that place and know that He can trust you, to let you do on occasion that would please you, that it would serve your whatever interest and His interest, then we're allowed to be out here and the first thing take place that we don't like, we're allowed to be out here, bless God, uh, causing curses and everything else to come on people just because they cross their eyes at us or, or say, you know, wave wrong at us or don't smile at us or whatever. And, and God can't have that happening. So therefore, that's the reason why that the Spirit of God and the pouring out of the Spirit of God is measurable. All right? Now, we talk about God pouring out His Spirit without measure, but it is measurable. You are given a measure. 
a measure of the anointing. And upon that measure, we can build uh, where it can become unmeasurable. I believe that. But I believe that you're going to have to do two things. Trust God and be totally obedient to God. That God will realize that you're going to do the, for the best interest into His kingdom and not the best interest for, in this case, me. All right? So, so this is the first time that we really run across in Scripture where anything like this has ever happened. Before, we, you know, we, we, we were able to see the anointing and see it operate, but we didn't have any, any way of anybody ever explaining it. And then, then Samuel began to explain it. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, and you're going to prophesy. And he said, you're going to be turned into another man. You're going to be, you're, you are going to change, Saul. You're going to be something that, from something I don't like. And Saul didn't particularly like, I mean, Samuel didn't particularly like Saul at all. And, and he said, the word, you're almost likable. That's really what he was saying, okay? Let's go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings, and, and of course, we're skipping a lot. I, I'm, like I said, I picked a lot of stuff out, and I'm going to have to... <clears throat> it's hard to tell them what I'm going to have to do. Now... Now, here again, we do know, and I think we can, we can uh, without a doubt, say that Elijah the Tishbite, that evidently the Spirit of the Lord had come upon him. Now, how did the Spirit of the Lord come upon them? Usually they were anointed. All right? Usually they were anointed. But here it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was in the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, what does that mean? He didn't say according to God's word, did he? He said according uh, to 1 Kings uh, 17. He didn't say according to my word, uh, to God's word. He didn't say, God told me to stand and prophesy this. He said, according to my word. So what Elijah had done, Elijah had come somewhere, and, and of course when you go back through this, and we're going to hit and miss some of this stuff with Elijah, we'll find out that Elijah often just opened up his mouth and did. All right? Now you find two types, two types of anointing. One is that God tells him, I prefer prefer God to give me an open vision before I say, thus saith the mouth of God. All right? I prefer that. Now, that doesn't always happen. Uh, what happens to me more generally is the fact that God will just say, open up your mouth and prophesy. I'm not real comfortable with that, but I've learned to live with it through the years. All right? Now, where do we come to that God will honor your words and let you do that? Well, as I said before, I believe it's a long, hardened process. I think in my case, God just got downright tired of putting up with me. Because every time, every time God tell me to go prophesy the president or the prime minister, I'd say, Lord, you're going to have to give me, I'm, you know, you're going to have to give me a sign. And he'd say, Well, what's the sign going to be? And boy, here we went, and we go through all this stuff. And bless God, the sign had come. I go prophesy, and it come to pass. Now, is that the same type of thing? Yes, it's the same type of a thing, but it's probably building up to that. Now, I can't remember, I can't remember exactly the year, but I, I remember distinctly the day. I remember the time that the Lord told me, He said, when are you going, or said, spoke to me, and He said, when are you going to quit this, uh, having to put a fleece out and me give you a sign? And I said, well, Lord, I don't know, because I said, I'm not comfortable doing it any other way. I said, I'm, I'm just not comfortable uh, uh, just going out and doing that kind of thing. You know how I am. You know my heart. You created me. And I said, I'm just not comfortable with it. I said, i just rather you let somebody else do it and, and, and me say amen. And the Lord said, well, he said, here's the way we're going to work it. He said, from this point on, he said, I'm going to honor the words that you speak. And I thought, oh, really? I thought, really? And, and, and then I'm going, oh, now I'm going to have to be really careful about the words I speak because I could, I could speak something that's out, outside the realm that God once spoken and really have a mess. And I said, Lord, I don't think that's a good idea. Let's go, let's just go, let's go back to this, me laying out a fleece and, and you, you, you give me the sign. And we go. I said, I'm comfortable with that. We've been doing it for years. I said, why do we need to change now? And the Lord said something very important to me because he said, I have brought you from one glory to the next glory. He said, I brought you to a place where now, he said, I, I do trust you. And I trust you enough to know that you're going to speak my heart. And he said, you speak and I will bring to pass. Now, remember the story that I, that I, that, that, that I told about the fact that I, I, I had the hurricane that came up on that island of Marie.
gracious. And, and I, I told him, I said, a hurricane will come up, and it will set out there and churn just off the coast. I said, You're, the climatologists are going to say there's a terrible, over there they're called typhoons, is coming up through there, and go, I think the word's right, typhoon there, uh, that's coming up through there, and it's going to devastate the island, and everybody's going to be afraid, and everybody's going to get in holes. And, and I said, it's going to come up like it's going to come in, and it's just going to stop. Going to sit there for three days and three nights. They're going to photograph it. They're going to talk about it. They're going to say they don't understand because all the barometric pressures and everything uh, wasn't set for just to set there, but yet it's sitting there. And I said, when it's over, it's going to move around the island and dissipate on the other side and be no more, and let it be a sign to the to the people of this island that the Lord God sent His prophet this day unto this island. Now it happened exactly like that. Now it didn't come. It didn't come by a, a not, didn't come by a vision. I spoke it as as I believe that God let me speak that, and it came to pass. Now I often, you know, when I first told it, I told him that I was prophesying what the Lord God had told me, and then then all of a sudden I realized that God hadn't told me. I began to in my mind, and this is where the crossover is so important to try to understand, and I don't think you can ever understand it. I tried in my mind uh, to understand that. I saw that in my mind's eye. Sam would understand what I'm talking about. I saw it in my mind's eye. Now, when, uh, And that's a type of a vision, all right? That's not an open vision. I call that more of a closed vision. But, but then, I, then I, I, I prophesied it, and I said, well, the Lord, the Lord has showed me that. And you know, the Lord didn't show me that. What it was, I spoke it. I spoke it and had seen it in my mind's eye, and I had related it to doing what? Blaming it on the Lord when all along the Lord didn't do it. I spoke it. You can speak things into existence. And now the charismatic movement was great about teaching us how to speak things into existence. Now the problem was we were too busy speaking Cadillacs and million-dollar lottery tickets and everything else that didn't work out, all right? But the, the basis of that teaching was true. You got to learn to speak it into existence. You got to pass. You got to pass what it looks like and call it what it's going to be instead of what it looks like it is. All right, and that's a, a roundabout way of saying to call those things which be not as though they are. Now, in in that verse though, we see that that Elijah has now taken authority and by his word. Now, in First Kings, in the eighth verse, it says here, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, he, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And as she said, and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus the Lord God of Israel, thus said the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until that the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Now, isn't that neat to think that there's a God that would be that way? And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Now, that's really in itself, and I know that we have talked about that even with this coming plague of understanding for people that don't have the money. There's, and you know, when I was out west, I was trying to get the people to understand and get this point across. There's two kind of people 
there, well, there's more than that, but that when it comes to putting up food, the people that have money that can put the food up, and then there's the people that don't have enough money that's not going to be able to put up food, all right? Now, for the people that have the money that don't put up the food and think about what I'm going to say is going to work for them, the sun will come up in the west instead of the east for you if that should happen, and that's not going to happen. Because you see, the key, again, the prophet spoke to her and told her exactly what to do to succeed. Exactly. He said, you go make for me the cake, fetch me some water, and he said, and you do that, and you're going to find out something, that you're going to have oil, and you're going to have meal in that barrel as long as there's a drought. Now, that is speaking faith, but it's doing more than that. That is now living into the miraculous side. Why? Because in the natural, if, if, I, was to, if I was to fill this bowl up over here uh, uh, with water, or this pitcher with water, and I was to pour it out, half of it, uh, you would say, well, you, you're either half full or half empty. But the fact of it is, there's only half as much water, all right? Now, if I pour all the water out, it's gone, right? With Elijah's thing, you poured it out and set it down, and it was still full. Okay? Now, is that breaking all the natural rules that we know that govern this earth? Absolutely it is. And that's what I was saying earlier. We're, we're talking about moving over into a realm that works completely opposite of the realm that we live in. Okay? Completely opposite. The world that we live in, you pour the water out of that pitcher, it's not in the pitcher. The world that Elijah lives in, if we pour the water out of the pitcher and set it down and it fills itself back up. And you said, well, that's not natural. Well, that's right, but see, we don't deal with a natural God. And God wants us to do what? He wants us to become that other man. He wants us to become that other man of which Samuel spoke about with Saul. So that the fact that we will be able to believe for that. Now, once you enter into that, now... And, and what I intend to teach with this thing is, is relatively simple. You have to start with the small things, all right? You have to start with the things that bless God that, that, that mean very little, all right? Because you say you have to practice. Yeah, you have to practice. You have to get yourself in a position to do that. You know how I began to do this? I began to do this simply like this. I, I would go somewhere. And, and, and well, I, I, like I go to Barbados. At one point in time, I went to Barbados every month. We had, a, we had a church down there, a church school down there. And so I went down there every month to take care of that. And so when I got down there, uh, the, uh, being tropical, it can rain and stop raining, rain and stop raining all the time. So in order to test out the Lord God honoring my words, I'd get off the airplane and I'd say to Stephen, Stephen... It's not going to rain the whole time I'm down here. It's not going to sprinkle. We're not going to have any any tropical, and even though it was during that time of the year, and I'd be sure that it was during a time when it had been raining, all right, because, of course, I'd converse with Stephen. And so, sure enough, it didn't rain. So I went back, and now here's your carnal mind. Your carnal mind said, well, you got lucky. You know, you just got lucky this time. But the next time I went down, I said, now this time, this time, Stephen, it's going to rain the next three days, every day for three days, and then it's going to stop raining the rest of the time I'm down here. And sure enough, it rained three days, and it didn't rain the rest of the time I was down there. So, so what am I doing? I'm beginning to practice with that. But I'm beginning. But you, let me tell you what won't work, because I tried this too. What won't work if just you, you yourself, and you practice. You've got to practice by speaking to somebody, telling them what you're doing, so in fact they can see it being done. Now, I don't know what that connection is, and I'm not sure what it is, but I know I first off tried to do it just with me, myself and I, all right? And it didn't work. And, I begin, and I'll tell you how I began to realize that. I began to realize that I could sit and imagine stuff in my mind and then be under the anointing, and it was altogether different. So what I decided to do with it was that, and it began to work like that. Then it got to the point where, uh, you know, at one time, I, you've heard me say, I was to go to Madagascar, and it was in the middle of the rainy season. I couldn't go any other time during that whole year except at that time. They wrote and said, well, that couldn't because of the rainy season. I wrote back or called back, I don't remember who that was, and I said, listen, here's a sign that God sent the prophet. It will, it, it will not rain from the time that my feet touch the ground in Madagascar until I get on the airplane and leave, then it'll go back and you'll have your rainy season. 
The pastor was kind enough to have believed me and said, come on. And when I got there and got off the airplane, it had just quit raining. There was rain everywhere. It rained not for 12 days and 12 nights. Drove back to the airport. The clouds were beginning to form. Got on the airplane, and as we went down the runway, you could see lightning. The plane went off the ground, and water hit the window. Sitting to the guy that was sitting next to me that was traveling with me. And he nudged me, and he said, there's the rain, prophet, just exactly like you said would happen. Now, did you see what I'm saying, that how that, that, that developed from where I went from to the place where I could begin to prophesy it to make a difference in it? That's the way it worked for me. Now, can that work for you? Yes, it can, and it's going to have to work for you. Because we're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to get to this prophet when this thing gets to the point where Pusha is going to come to shove. And it's going to get to that point. It's going to get to that point. And, and listen, let me give you just an idea, a scenario idea of all the things that are going to happen. Not this, especially maybe to you, but in, in the whole realm of this thing. People that are believers are going to put their food up and people are going to come in and steal it. What are you going to do then? You're going to believe God to put meal in the bar- barrel and oil in the cruise. Can you do that? You're not going to do it if you can't begin to do it beforehand so that you're ready to do it if and when the time comes that you're going to need to do it. We're all going to have to have that capability and be able to do that somewhere in this. It may not be because somebody comes in and steals your food. It may be this. It may be that. It may be something different than that. But the key is to understand that we're all going to have to operate within the miraculous somewhere in order for us to come through this thing in the way that God would want us to come through it. Now, you can do that, and I know that you can, and I know that you will. Let's, uh, I think as we go on down here, uh, uh, if you read down through here, if you, if you remember, Elijah, uh, this woman didn't, let's see, what happened here? Let's go 17, I'm going to have to read it all. And it came to pass after, I'm um, in 1717, after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was sore, and there was no breath left in him. So he died, okay? Then you go on down into the, into the 22nd ver- 21st verse, and, and this is Elijah. He stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came unto him again, and he revived. Now, that's kind of neat, isn't it? Now, how come it's kind of neat? It said, and the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Now, this is the next thing that's very important, that God hears your voice. I, I think that I think that that when I I don't think I remember doing things um, through the years with prayer. There's some prayers that God doesn't hear, and, and it astonishes people to, to think that God doesn't hear all your prayers. But there's some prayers that He just turns a deaf ear to. All right, and 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 there's other things that He other prayers that He does hear. So the key is to understand that we must be pleasing in the way that we petition Him. All right, so that he will hear when we cry out to him, and and it's important that you do that. I, uh, I, you know, I I know when we were, we were uh, this trip that we were on, and when I was ministering, the, uh, people came up to me, and and there was a, a a woman that came up that had a terrible problem with her back, and anyway, uh, I I prayed and 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 God healed her. The next day, which was the last day that we were there, her mother came in that was 80-some years old, and she was blind, and, and, and she was deaf, both. And they set her down in the back, and she was making a lot of noise, and people were kind of turning and looking at her. And anyway, she came, she, they brought her in the line. And I said to her, I said, I said, uh, I see you need the Lord to touch you. And she said, yes. She said, my daughter came and, and God healed her back last night. And it was so seriously hurt. And she said, I had to come today because I knew that God, that God is here. And so anyway, I said, well, that's right. So anyway, I prayed for her. And, and anyway, uh, she began to see the light that was in the room. Uh, I prayed for her ears and she heard for the first time since who knows when. I prayed for her strength and she got away from the walker and she could walk for the first time and who knows when. What is that? That is speaking or moving over into that realm. It's moving into a realm that moves past what it looks like it should be. In the natural, the woman should stay blind, she should stay deaf, and she should have stayed lame. 
in the natural. And being that old, after all, what can you say, right? Okay, well, that's, that's what most of us would say. But you see, with God, He's no respecter of persons. So what did God do? He moved, he moved because somebody dared, somebody dared to believe that that woman could see. Somebody dared to believe that that woman could hear, and somebody dared to believe that that woman could walk. And it was just that simple. And if you're, and if you do, and people ask me all the time, say, well, well, what kind of anointing does it take to do those kind of things? I don't know that it takes any more anointing than it takes just flat seeing them whole and not seeing them sick. I remember going through a whole period of time when God began to teach me about healing. He said, I'm going to teach you about healing. And he said, I want you to understand. He said, from this day forward, he said, I want you, everybody that comes in in a wheelchair, I want you to see in your mind a person walking around in the room before they get out of that wheelchair. He said, I want you to see that. Now, this is important, and it's important, uh, this thing that I'm teaching about living in, the, living in the miraculous, because it works the same way. You see, once it doesn't talk about the barrel of a meal, the, the cruise of oil. It doesn't talk about saying when the woman poured it out, if she looked in there and watched the field, it just said that it never ran dry. It never ran dry throughout the time that the drought was in the land. All right? Now, how did that? How was that? I have no idea how it was. It just was. Maybe she poured it out, and maybe overnight it came back. Maybe it did it miraculously before her. But the prophet spoke. Now, we got to go back to listening, or listen, got to go back to looking at the power of the, uh, of the spoken words of the prophets. The spoken words of the prophets. You know... I have said for years and years, and, and this part has really been something that I think that I've been a real stinker about, and probably always will be. People don't have any idea in this world what they're doing when they start speaking things into people's lives. They don't have any idea of what they're doing. Do you realize that if you start speaking life to somebody that's appointed time is to die, and you start speaking that they're to live, do you realize that you're about to monkey up God's plan for that person's life? No, nobody ever realizes that, do they? They don't realize that because they don't understand what God said. To every man it's appointed a time to live, and to every man it's appointed a time to die. You and I don't have you and I don't have a corner on that. Well, well, now, Brother Decker, what did Elijah do when he called that spirit back into this boy? Elijah did that as to him being the prophet of God, anointed of God, to have the wisdom of God to have known. Do you think Elijah ever prayed for anybody that didn't live? Or didn't get up that was dead uh, and walk? I'm sure he did. Now, it doesn't say, but I'm sure he did. Because, uh, folks, this isn't a 100% thing that happens in all of our lives all the time. It just doesn't work that way. And it's a shame that it doesn't, but, but it doesn't. So, when we begin to realize then about these words, he spoke. Do you realize he spoke and that spirit of this boy that left his body had to come back, return because it had left, come back and enter back into that, into that boy's body in order for him to live. That's exactly what happened. So the, the, the spoken anointed words of a prophet are creative. All right, these are, they're, they're creative. Can you speak creative words? Yes, you can. And you must, and you must learn how to speak creative words. You have to learn to do that. You have to, again, uh, you, you know, um, uh, let's see, uh, that, that young man that was down in Guyana that didn't have any of the things in his ear for him to hear because that infection had eaten all the, uh, whatever all those parts are that goes into an ear. And they did, there wasn't anything there. And that's, what, and, and that's what that woman told me. She said, she said, her son didn't have anything in this ear. She said, now, over here he does, but over here he doesn't. 
And I said, well, good. I said, then, then we're going to speak a creative miracle to this ear. A creative miracle to this ear. Now, aren't we really doing that into, into a lot of things that we do? I remember me telling the story about the, the woman one time I was young in the ministry, and, and I was out in Ohio, and, and the woman came that had the top part of her heart cut completely off. They had placed a plastic window over her heart and a tube to drain the, the fluid off. The fluid had turned to gel, and the doctor, uh, she was going back to the doctor the next day, and he was going to tell her how many days she had to live. I prayed. She went home that night, felt like she was dying, and she was hot in her chest, and, and it burned all night. She got up the next day, went back to the doctor, and she was just fine. The doctor x-rayed her, and he's the doctor that performed the surgery, and there was no, the heart was completely intact. There wasn't, there wasn't anything over it, no plastic over it, no tube, no nothing. That God, now that is a creative miracle. That is a miracle that creates. Now, those types of miracles are no different to speak them than to speak and to pray for somebody that's got a cold or somebody that bless God that, 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 that maybe they've, they've, they've you know, sprung their ankle or, or sprung their wrist or something. One of the things that I think is that we think too small, all right? I think we think too small. I think we're into one of these things of, of saying, well, this or that, but I want to go back and say this again. You were created in the image of the living God. You have every capability in the God realm that operates over there. You have that. The problem is we've never been taught that. We've seen or heard of people from generation to generation like God has permitted me to do to walk into those miraculous things and everybody go, ooh, ah, oh, wow, and all that type of a thing. But the fact of it is God didn't create a man to do that. He created a world of people from generation to generation that could pray and the meal barrel would have meal in it all along until a certain given point in time. But notice one thing. After a certain set point of time, the miracle was over. Now, I passed out anointed hankies this past week. Told them the same thing I told the people up in Milwaukee. I said, take these and get them on everybody you can get them on as soon as you can get on them because this is not going to work very long. In other words, this isn't something you got for the rest of your days, and all you got to do is just keep it and run around here and keep laying hanky on somebody, and God keep giving them miracles or healing them. I said it's not going to work that way. Well, that's the same type of a thing, and which happened there as we as we spoke about with Elijah. Let's go to the 18th chapter, and we're going to look in 36 through 39. And it came to pass. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy, thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Now we're getting down to it, aren't we? Hear me, O Lord, hear me, 37, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And it says, then, and I love this part, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, licked up the water and what, that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Now, what do you suppose happened there? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've often thought, as a prophet, I've often thought about that. I thought, now, call them fire down. You know, they, 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 they were afraid of Elijah, and they were more afraid of the fact that Elijah could call fire down from heaven. Because, you know, it goes in. There's other places where you see that, that fire has come down from heaven. But now, in modern day, we don't see anybody doing anything like that. I've never, ever had anything like that happen. I've never, never had it. Now, now I believe that we're entering in this time when I think I will. I think there's going to be a lot of people going to have those kind of things happen. Why? Because it's going to be imperative to us for us to survive. 
Now, wouldn't it be kind of neat when people start to come to your house to steal your food that you call fire down from heaven? Now, let's say not kill them, but let's say just knock the tree down in front of them and they leave. Okay, we're going to be nice, all right? We're not going to call the she-bear out of the woods and have have, have a mate. Uh, well, this prophet might, but you want to be nicer than that, all right? Uh, but the fact of it is, they did those things. And, and this isn't a story. Do you realize that we have gotten so sadly monkeyed up about God that there are, uh, there are uh, bless God, congregations today that's being taught that what I'm teaching you now were put in here. They really didn't happen. They're just good stories to talk about the, the possibilities of a living God and what he could do. All right? And that's not the truth at all. You and I know that. These really happened. These things took place. Again, my challenge is this. They took place then to show us that they would work. There have been few women, few men across the ages that have been able to work these kind of works. All right? But now we have come to a time in the history of man that we're going to have to return and we're going to have to understand who we are in Him. Now, we are all priests according to the Word of God. You and I and all of us, man, woman, whatever, we're all priests. If priests, then we have access to God as a priest. And this is talking more of the Old Covenant uh, or the, 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 the priests in the, in the Tanakh that we read about, the Levites. Now, we understand the accessibility of the throne room of God. We have that accessibility because of Yeshua and what He came and what He did. We have that. Now, what's the difference? The difference is we don't use it to the fullest of a capacity that we could use it. Have you ever heard the stories that, that went around? Now, let's see about how many years ago that's been, because maybe that'll... Where there was out in, out in the, out somewhere west, they had a thing that was going on where uh, uh, people was picking up a hitchhiker, and the hitchhiker would get in the back seat and start talking about the coming of the Lord. You remember that? And then all of a sudden they'd look in the mirror and he wouldn't be there and they'd stop at the patrol station. That one guy said, I forget how many people stopped him one day talking about the fact that that, that, that really happened. You see, that is going a step into the supernatural, the appearance of, of angels. Now, we're going to get to that uh, in a different segment about the, the, the application that angels are going to play in this last day, in this last hour rule. And it's going to be spectacular what they're going to do. But you see, it, it, went, on, it went on past. And, and there in modern day, they're driving down the road, and here this hitchhiker's talking about Jesus, talking about the coming of the Lord and Him coming back to this earth. And he's talking along, all of a sudden it gets quiet, and the guy looks back, and nobody's in the back seat. What is that? That is the way God is. That's, that's the God kind of God that He wants us to know Him as. All right? Now, can we defy gravity? Yes, we can defy gravity. You say, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, what goes up must come down. That's absolutely right in this world. But there is another set of rules that governs the supernatural world that's different than the set of rules that we know of, of what goes up must come down, and that type of thing that governs the carnal world that we live in. And we must learn to begin to do what? We must learn to begin to operate over into the, the, the set of rules that God has for the supernatural world because that's the world in which we're going to have to tap into, uh, uh, literally live in, in this last day and this last hour. Now, can we do that? Absolutely we can do that. We have, we have within ourselves, we have within ourselves every right to be able to take the authority that's been given to us, and we got the right to, to, to absolutely put the water in and cause that water, bless God, when you pour it out, to stay or to, to, to refill itself or whatever it's going to do. Now, how is that going to take place? Well, I don't know. I just know that you must believe. The Bible says, if you, or actually it says, if thou canst but believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. I think the key is, is some of us just are not willing to believe past 
the, the end of our nose, okay? Some of us aren't willing to believe past that. Then others of us, like me, that have experimented. And I've experimented. And I've done this and I've done that. I remember back in the days of, of when I was asking God and laying out the fleeces, I'd say, I'd be sitting in my yard. I'd say, okay, Lord, if you want me to do that, you let two birds land right up there, right up there on that limb right there. If that's right, then I'd sit there and I'd be looking around, look up, and there's two birds sitting right there. So, you see, those were things that I... Did I practice? Yes, I practiced. I used to tell Stephen, I, I'm practicing, and I, I, that's the way I'm going. I'm, I'm practicing. I know I urged him when he was here this time, when he and I had a lot of time to, to talk. I said, Stephen, are you practicing? He looked at me and he said, yes, sir, I am. I said, you keep practicing, Stephen. You keep practicing. You've got to walk over into the miraculous, and we've got to learn to live there. In order to teach it, you've got to live there. In other words, you know, a driver's education teacher, you don't see somebody that's never drove a car try to teach people how to drive a car, do you? You don't see people trying to teach people to fly an airplane that's never flown airplanes and very good at flying airplanes. This is the same type of thing here. The people that work in the miraculous are going to have to begin to teach the people how they too can live in the miraculous. Let's go on. Let's go to let's go to Second Kings. And of course, Second Kings starts starts at where, where we're going to start in Second Kings here. Second King. Well, I went that past it already. Second Kings two, and uh, in the fourteenth and fifteenth verses. Now, of course, this is after Elijah went up, the mantle fell. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, there parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest... Excuse me, Elijah. Well, that's good to yawn in the middle, that is. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Now, now the spirit. Now they're talking about the spirit of Elijah. No, that wasn't the spirit of Elijah. It was the spirit of God. All right. And they now, and that's all they would have known to said about it. The spirit of Elijah has now fallen upon Elisha. No, no. The spirit of God that was in the anointing of God that was in that mantle. Talit, all right, the Spirit of God that was in the Talit, bless God, now that Elisha had the Spirit, or had the mantle, had the Talit, now he had, now listen, he had the anointing. You know, we went through that. I began to talk to those people out there in, in Phoenix, and you should have seen the, the Talits begin to show up in the next service. I said, you know, there's hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours anointing that gets poured into these things. Poured into them, poured into them, poured into them. I took it off and began to lay it on people, and God was healing people. It just, it, it, it's just there. It, the anointing is there. Now, I think it's a staple, if you will. I think that the key is to get the anointing and get it into position, all right, so that you can take that, take that and, and do this. Now, uh, if we were to take this and we were to use this and, and fill it with water, okay, and if by the word of this prophet that this water was to turn to wine, probably I would put my tallit over the top of it. All right? I would probably put my Toledo over the top of it. Why? Because the anointing. Now, we're going to do that. I don't know whether it's this Passover or not, um, but uh, God has promised me years ago that he would let, he would let me turn water to, water to wine. And, and it was going to be during, uh, during what I thought to have been during a time of communion. Well, it is going to be, and we're going to take a communion, start taking communion at Passover or on Passover. And so uh, uh, this year, uh, are we going to practice? I don't know whether we're going to practice or not. Uh, we'll just wait and see. Uh, by, according to the word of, of this prophet, uh, yeah, we, we can we try, we try that, see what that... But again, do I have faith? Of course I have faith in that. I remember one time we were going down the road, and it was after, it was at nighttime, there was tornado warnings out. And we started down the road, and it was, you know, when there's a tornado, there's usually a lot of lightning, like it almost becomes day. And I was seeing this funnel on the road in front of me, and they, the story is that if that funnel doesn't move left or right and stays in one position, it's coming at you. 
And I kept driving, and I said, you know what? I said, that thing's coming at us. I said, that thing, and we drove a few more miles, and it was still not moving. It was right there in front of us. I said, that thing's coming at us. And so I, I, I uh, stopped the car. I got out of the car, and I screamed, and I commanded that thing to move. I said, I'm going home. I said, God, you know I'm going home. And I said, that's not going to keep me from going home. And I command. I said, I take authority, and according to my word, that tornado is going to move that direction out of my way so I can pass by unscathed. Turned around, went back and got in the car, started down the road, still lightning, and that thing moved over and moved right out of the way. We moved by. There was trees laying every which direction you could believe, but none of them was in my road, and I went home. I had to go this way on this side of the road, and then have to go over on this side of the road. Then I'd go on that side of the road because of all the trees and stuff, but I drove right, zigzagged right down through, and I went home. Now, what is that? That is being able to speak to a situation that, bless God, that, that was is worse than ever. Now, this is a good one. I took two young men with me to Barbados. And they wanted to go, so I loaded them up and I took them with me. And we got to Barbados, and neither one of them had ever been to the ocean before. And so I told them about the ocean, and I told them, I said, well, now, you young guys can go get you a couple boogie boards and go down to the ocean. And I said, uh, and you can get out there and have a good time riding the waves and everything. And and I so I, and I said, well, you going to come with us? And I said, yeah, I'm going to come with us. So they got it. They went and rented the boards, and we got down there. And bless God, they had red flags up. And when they put red flags on a beach, it means the undertow is too bad and you don't need to be in the water. And, and the water was so, the waves were coming in and they were just dumping that nobody could get in the water. And we stood there and we stood there and we stood there. And all of a sudden, I said to the, these two young fellows, I said, watch this. They said, what are you going to do? And I said, watch this. I walked out into the water where it was just about, about knee deep. And I commanded, I said, water, I command you... Peace be still. I said, I take authority over you. And I said, you're going to lay down flat, and that's going to be the end of it. And all of a sudden, for about 50 yards that way and about 50 yards that way, the, the sea became calm. Now, let me tell you what was really neat about it. And they did a thing and put it in the newspaper. On the, both sides of that, it didn't quit doing that. It still the, the waves were coming and crashing in, but there was that one about a hundred yard area in there that they could get everybody and everybody come running down there. Everybody got in the ocean and everybody had a great time. And then all of a sudden, one of the young lads said to me, he "said No one's going to believe this, but the three of us." And I said, "It doesn't make any difference whether anybody in this world ever believes it." I said, "You saw it happen. I saw it happen, and that's all that counts. God stilled the waters that day." Now, have I ever walked on the water? No, I've never walked on the water. I believe I can. I believe it's just like anything else. You've got to be able to do it. Now, you've got to be able to have the faith to go do it. But let me tell you what you've got to have more than faith, and I'm going to prove this about, about Peter. When Peter was in the boat, when Peter was in the boat, and he looked out there and saw the Lord, Yeshua, walking on the water, he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee. And the Lord said, come on, Peter. Peter, like a dummy, got out of the boat, right? And there he goes. And you can just imagine the other boys sitting there watching going, oh, Peter, this is dumb, Peter. Peter took a few steps and walked out there. And, of course, the Bible says, or we, we talk about the fact that he got his eyes off of Jesus and he went down. Jesus immediately reached down and lifted him up. Now, let me tell you what, the, let me tell you what that was all about. Peter was at a point of trying to learn. Okay, And Peter at least got out of the boat, and that's what I've always given him credit for. At least he just didn't sit there. He got out of the boat. Now, you don't see, that's not the same Peter over in the book of Acts, the blessed God that's raising the dead. That's not the same Peter. The difference is that the anointing of God, you remember when the Lord said, Peter, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Remember when he told him? One of those keys that were the kingdom was the anointing to work in the miraculous. All right? It had to have been because he worked in the miraculous from that point forward. He worked there. So where Peter was at when he was in the boat, Peter was still a student and still trying to learn and was trying to exercise not only his faith but the anointing, all right, of which he didn't have any of, and it proved real, real quick. So if you look at that from the eyes of a prophet, you're seeing a, a, young, a young man, you're seeing Peter with a lot of zeal, thinking that, oh, you know, Lord, if that's you, if you can do it, I can do it. And, I, and that's really what he was saying. The Lord said, come on, try it, Peter. Peter walked out there and sunk. It's just that, just that easy. Now, 
What was what was the lesson in all that? Very simple. Peter not only could have walked on the water, Peter would have walked on the water. He did raise the dead. He had many things happen, miraculous, that, that God used him in, after in which he developed or the anointing of God come upon him. Now, again, we're, we're studying now with Elisha. And I hope you understand what I'm telling you. There's a point in time. Elisha could have smacked that water all day long with his talit, and nothing would have happened. But the moment in which he received that which Elijah's uh, uh, talit, and took it and screamed, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Smacked the Jordan, and it, it, it divided. He walked across on dry land. The difference is, again, it's the anointing. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website www.jewishprophet.com and you can find out again all this material that you're hearing taught every day every week folks you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life you know what you can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com we'll be praying for your prayer request shalom until tomorrow and remember, with God, all things are possible.